Welcome one and all as we close up the week here on the Damage Report. We being me, John Idarola, and the host of the Happy Half Hour, Brett Ehrlich. Brett, thank you for being here. I am Very so nice excited to be here, John. Me too. Especially you looking so cute. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Uh, by the way, uh, we was I audible over the? We were thinking during the intro. Obviously, we have the like bum 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 intro. It needs lyrics. That's yeah, here, what it's been lacking the whole time. Obviously, I, I think it should be ooh, a pretty one, ah, a pretty one, but to die in Sharona. And I don't like it. Anyway, uh, perhaps we can cut out some of the excerpts of our conversation that we're gonna have on the show today, which is going to be mainly about music. Or some politics. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, yesterday was a wild day with all of what's come out, uh, you know, about Joe Biden, about the documents case, responses to it. We're going to dive into that whole mucky mess and uh, try to figure some stuff out. We got some fact checking to do. That's always fun. Elise Stefanik, I think, doing like her most public VP audition. We're going to be watching and responding to uh, some of that. And Bernie Sanders taking it to Big Pharma. You love to see it, it's a lot of fun. And we, of course, later on the show in the aftermath, we'll be throwing away our garbage people of the week. So everybody watching live, definitely stay tuned for that. And those of you who are listening on the podcast, head over to the YouTube channel and you can watch our garbage people videos as well as a bunch of content that we make every day that unfortunately can't fit into the podcast. And while you're at it, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. With all that said, Berter, look, are you ready to do this thing? Whether I am or not, you've been more than fair. He did the thing, so now let's do this thing. I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away or passed away. That is, of course, President Joe Biden absolutely furious at some of what was included in the special counsel's final report on the classified documents case, at least the portion focusing on Joe Biden. And in it, the special counsel announced that he was not going to be pursuing charges over Joe Biden's handling of classified documents. So you might think that that's good news for the president. And perhaps that part of it is, but it also had a number of damning quotes about him being an elderly man with a failing memory. Um, the, the fact that a jury would be unlikely to uh, convict him, but just because he doesn't seem like he'd be able to remember what he was doing. It did not paint a great picture of Joe Biden's mental state. And reporters at that press conference obviously picked up on that. Here's a tough question for the president. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. That's uh, that's that's my memory has gotten worse, Mr. President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. Okay, I like that response. That was funny. I believe that was Peter Ducey, Brett. I think that was. But um, that was a that was very Ducey. That was very Ducey, and he hit him, and that's good. Uh, He showed a little bit of fire over some of the references to him forgetting some specific facts, including when his son had tragically died. 
He says, I know what the hell I'm doing, which is good. He tries to refocus the conversation away from his memory and more on what he's been able to do as president to put the economy back on a more solid footing. Um, so look, I think that part of the response was good. But obviously, the quotes are now out there. They're not going anywhere. And look, we have to keep it real. Like whether the comments that the special counsel made were perfectly fair or not, and perhaps we'll debate that. Biden, even in that press conference, which was expressly designed to reassure people of his mental acuity, made a couple of slip ups. And the overall affect, the level of energy, was not particularly high. Like if your stated goal was to make it so that nobody could buy that you're a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, I don't know if you come out of that press conference necessarily think that the special counsel is wrong on that. Whether that has any effect on your vote or should is a very different matter. But what do you think about the press conference and what it might have done to allay these concerns about his memory? I don't think anyone is going to open-mindedly watch that press conference and change their mind about any of this. That's what it comes down to. In terms of whether Biden was able to accurately convey to me whether he has good memory or not, like his burns were great burns for a 400-year-old man. That is all I can expect. He didn't use the word whippersnapper. And he, uh-huh. the, the actual, and and that's the thing. It's like the way Biden carries himself. He seems like the kind of guy that you do need to like. He needs to take a couple naps, mm-hmm. you know. And he's the kind of person about whom you say his mornings are better than his evenings. Yeah, like it's just what he comes across as. Now, a lot of us voted for him because they preferred someone who was just like, all right, let's get the job. Let's wake up early, mow mow the America's lawn, get the chores done, and then go to sleep and make sure nothing like terrible explodes. Has he been good at that? No, but a lot of that, a lot of the, the groundwork for that was set under Trump anyway. But Trump was taking us on a path that was horrible at the time. We got a new guy in there. He just happened to be very old. Yeah, 100%. We'll definitely be talking about some of the hypocrisy on that in a, in a little bit. But um, I, lo- I love the idea that like it's it's a more appropriate burn for like the tortoise in the swamp of sadness and the never ending story. <laughs> or Mitch McConnell, perhaps. Maybe it would be more appropriate um, for that. Now, uh, in the pre-port today, I did a little bit of fact checking of some of the claims that Joe Biden made in that press conference that were not entirely true. But I also, I want to fact check one thing that is like frustratingly common and not accurate. So look, a lot of the conversation in terms of news coverage headlines about this shifted pretty quickly from the the most important takeaway of this, which is that Joe Biden is not gonna be facing charges. Nobody cares about that anymore. But to the extent that they did, a lot of the headlines and not just from right wing rags or whatever, were saying things like, that Biden quote, willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. And to be fair to those who put that in a headline, the special counsel does say something like that very early on in the uh, the report. But later on in the report, he also says there is in fact a shortage of evidence on these points specifically about whether it was willful. So like it kind of reminds me of the Mueller report where you had Bill Barr come out days before the report comes out and then say, here is what I would very much like you to all take away from this. The report then comes out, does not say the same thing, but it's already sort of baked into the popular consciousness. 
So now the right wing can run with this and say he did it on purpose when the special counsel himself implies that it might not have been willful. Maybe that's a minor thing when so many people are obviously way more jazzed about the stuff about Biden's brain. But I think that that's a weird thing that the media participated in and I wish that they had. Any quick comment on that? Yeah, I just don't think whether there's evidence of something or not has ever stopped right wing media from making a very bold claim about it. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing playing out. Of course, they're going to do that. Now it's incumbent on our side or the other side or the side of reality to communicate that effectively. And so I, and and that happens, that's happened in the past where like a little line that's that you've highlighted in your graphic. Like circulate that and you get that like fun little like, well, the McDonald's hot coffee wasn't about a woman who was complaining about her coffee being too hot. They spilled it on her. No one talks about that, but you got to know that. Yeah, that's a that's a deep cut. I like it, though. Jordan corrected me on that the other day, so I'm fresh. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and sort of parodied on Seinfeld as well. That kept it in the popular consciousness for a bit. Anyway, with that said, you know, regardless of what what you think of Biden's state, the right is, as Brett said, pouncing on it. And let's turn now to that. The reports implying from the special counsel that Joe Biden is an elderly man with a poor memory was not lost on Donald Trump or other Republicans trying to challenge Joe Biden. Trump almost immediately posted this. This is now proven to be a two-tiered system of justice and unconstitutional selective prosecution. The Biden documents case is 100 times different and more severe than mine. I did nothing and I cooperated far more. What Biden did is outrageously criminal. So look, they're shockingly focusing more on the substance of the case. And Trump is not wrong. The cases were different. He's just wrong about what way they're different and which is more severe. And we'll get to what the report says about that, directly undercutting everything that Trump is saying there. But Nikki Haley also said the double standard is glaring. Both Joe Biden and Donald Trump were reckless with classified documents. If Biden's defense is old age and forgetfulness, Trump can easily make the same claim. Trump should quickly hire Biden's lawyers. So that is Nikki Haley like hitting Trump and like pretending that what she's really doing is attacking Joe Biden. But her goal really there is to make Trump look like he's losing his mind. But she is, she's not wrong there. The issue isn't recklessness with classified documents. If they were just both reckless, neither would be facing charges. Trump was not reckless with the documents. Trump stole the documents. Trump tried to hide the fact that he stole the documents. He repeatedly hid the documents. He destroyed evidence to hide the fact that he did that. That was not recklessness. That was a very willful act prosecuted over the course of literally months. So she's letting him off the hook there. And that's the fundamental important part here. The report drew a sharp contrast between Biden and Trump to get to what Trump was saying about them being different. Saying that while Trump allegedly refused to return classified documents for months and directed other people to destroy evidence and then to lie about it, Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the DOJ, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his home, sat for a voluntary interview, which took two days, by the way, and in other ways cooperated with the investigation, which Donald Trump did not do. That's how it's different. That's why one is facing charges and not the other. Of course, the right wing is going to spin it, going to pretend that that part of the report does not exist. But Brett, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think this is all preposterous, but sadly easy to um, to predict. Like, obviously, Donald Trump is going to essentially say, "I did everything right, but they indicted me," um, and. 
His play has always been to just say something stridently and loudly enough and repeat it and see if you can completely warp everyone's memory of history. And it's it's like exactly what we expect from the guy. We expected Donald Trump to take souvenirs home and just keep them in his house because he thought it was cool just to see with what he could get away with. It looks like Biden just took it home because he was like, all right, here's my stuff. And then when someone's like, that's not your stuff, he said, okay, take the stuff that played out. And like (laughs) Trump wants you to think that like everybody's out to get him and they're so against him and it's so horrible that everybody else is being annoying. No, the reason that everybody is like indicting you and prosecuting you isn't because you did the initial act. It's because you were annoying after all of that. You wouldn't, you denied reality. You told, you gaslit everybody. And then they went to your house and found all that stuff because they had to raid you. They had mm-hmm. and you were and and there's so much evidence you tried to get rid of stuff and Biden is doing the thing that an innocent person looks you know does where they're like I have nothing to hide yeah I'll sit ask me questions yeah exactly the from the very beginning the stance has been 100% different and Trump still to this day implies that he should have been able to keep the documents he's still trying to steal them now yeah and and the one thing is like Nikki Haley is the actual worst in this She's what everybody really hates about politicians. It's like, don't come up with this perfectly worded, like focus group tested, you know, toes on the line, very weird, like twist or contortion of a position that's like, actually, they're both bad, but I'm going to say it in a way that doesn't seem like I'm criticizing Trump, but the people who are paying attention know it's a burn. Stop it, Nikki, just stop it. And that sort of subtlety and nuance is definitely how you take down a guy who's beating you by dozens of points yeah. in the polls. Because and the Nikki, MAGA base you need him to get nuance. locked up, dude. You need him to get. That's the only reason 100%. she's still around. Exactly. That is what. That is the only thing that can fundamentally change this primary. It's very obvious what's happening here, but I do want to thank Special Counsel Her for making it very clear to the American public that this man can't even remember when his son was passed. And more importantly, Sean, did you see what he said today in the press conference? He doubled down on it and said, I didn't think I needed to answer that question. Well, that's another problem that we haven't spoken about. You're sitting in an investigation. You have an obligation to answer truthfully and honestly. Today was just mind boggling. They absolutely should drop the charges. We shouldn't even have to go as far as to defend it. That's absolutely disgusting. She is, you know, insert an adjective. I'll throw out classless. I I think that classless, craven, underhanded, dishonest, disgusting. She's doing Trump's dirty work by attacking Joe Biden. When she hangs out with Trump, she knows exactly how tapioca brained Donald Trump is. But specifically to hit Joe Biden on the stuff about his son's death, which we don't know exactly what that interaction was with the special counsel. And the idea that not only is she gonna point it out, but then say, because he said he didn't have to answer that question. Look, he's not cooperating. That has nothing to do with documents. That has nothing whatsoever to do with documents. Even in your stupid hypothetical, it's him being asked specific dates of past events that are tragedies of his family. And for her to act as if, look, she wants to hit him on that stuff. She wants to do the underhanded thing, the low blow. And then at the same time, pretend that what she's doing is substantive. That is not utterly disgusting. But that's Alina Haba. That's the the ship that she signed on to. What do you think? Yeah, it's just so so ridiculous and so transparent and so like TV lawyery. It's 
Yeah. It's just like, that's not what any of this is about, counselor. No one, and Donald Trump has refused to answer all kinds of questions and participate in all kinds of things. And he only attends if he uh, is is mandated under penalty of like monetary damages and jail time. That's yeah. the only time he cooperates. He didn't cooperate along it this whole way. And what you're trying, it's just so sad. It was like, oh, you're that kind of horrible lawyer, Haba. You're the one who's like, oh my God, is that her argument? Her argument is because he was like, what the hell does my son's death have to do with this documents investigation? Because he said something like that, something that the that the good guy says, you're gonna get mad at him and be like, he was refusing to cooperate as though he's the same as someone who refuses to like put down the gun. You're a moron. Yeah, 100%. Um, she's not the only moron trying to score some points off of this. So other right-wingers uh, are trying to get some points. Uh, let's see, Fox and Friends claimed that the special counsel said that Biden wasn't competent to stand trial. That's not at all what the special counsel said. The special counsel said that were they to go forward on charges, then the jury might be sympathetic towards him because he's an older man and doesn't appear to have, be, to have an amazing memory. Um, that should be good enough, one would think, for the right wing, but that's not juicy enough. Now they need to pretend that the special counsel said he's not competent to stand trial because now the word competence in it. I mean, I know it's literally not in it, but now we've put it in it. So let's say he's not competent to be, to be president at all. So they're just making that up just for fun, I guess. And then you have those who wanna be like, look at him. He's made mistakes. He said a world leader's name and he got it wrong or the date wrong or whatever. And they can't help but make those same slip ups. So you have Jesse Waters who brings on Christy Nome to mock and attack Joe Biden. You know Christy Nome, South Carolina's governor. Sorry, that's what Jesse Waters said. See how you can make little slip ups when you're talking a bunch on camera? Or specifically when Joe Biden is being criticized for not remembering the names of foreign leaders and getting them mixed up. We're not gonna play the video, but Sean Hannity was talking with Alina Haba and he talks about Angela Merkel of Germany, which look, maybe that's a small thing. He didn't pronounce her name right. He didn't remember that that's not how it's pronounced, but it either is a small thing to get that wrong or it's not. You can't have it both ways, Sean Hannity. Perhaps Sean Hannity is not competent to stand trial. I don't know, that's what I'm learning from Fox News these days. Brett, what do you think? It was not even that, it wasn't Angela Mar Merkel, it was Angela Markle, like Meghan oh, I Markle. The Markle. Yeah, Look, it was- I know it is hard to not think and about John's Meghan Markle I get tapioca. that. John is not competent to host the damage report because he couldn't see that the A was an E. Don't you realize me and my role boy, Sean Hannity, have had enough of this nonsense. <sighs> Get it together, Idarola. It is very easy to make mistakes. I get that. And am I saying that Joe Biden does not make a good number of them? No, he does. He makes mistakes. His memory does appear to be poor. His overall energy level is low. And that, I think, is a great thing to make the center of a presidential race for the Republican Party in any cycle in which they don't have Donald Trump as their nominee. But you guys decided to take the guy whose brains are rice pudding and then pretend as if he's competent. And we'll get to his incompetence soon, but I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I, I don't think that Donald Trump's brain is tapioca pudding. I think he has some weird denture adhesive, his mouth gets dry and he is such a a bloviating jerk face that he just comes off as mentally deficient. But I, I feel both? like 
I, I'd rather have yeah, I'd rather have Biden in there than Trump, because Trump just like pet, like all his incentives are so petulant and egocentric. They are definitely not America first. Biden is more of an America first president than Trump. Just no one people just think they they miss they misattribute like all of this to attitude and they think that Trump's attitude means that he is stridently pro-American when he's absolutely not and yeah and and you know Biden has dedicated his life to service so to speak of others and um and Trump only himself well i want to turn now to Trump you know if we're going to be centering mental competence let's get to it starting with a ridiculous defense of Donald Trump your thoughts on that now <laughs> Well, of course, President Trump is the sharpest person to occupy the Oval Office in our lifetimes. And I can say that from intimate experience working in the West Wing every single day of the presidency. Tell me more about that intimate experience. Actually, no, definitely do not tell me anything about that. That is Stephen Miller, who could very well, if Donald Trump becomes president, hold a position of incredible power in the administration. He could be the AG, God only knows. And he is lying to you there, or not really you, why would you be watching? And he's lying to conservatives. Stephen Miller has spent a ton of time with Donald Trump. He knows that Donald Trump is not the sharpest, whether because of brain rot or just a lifelong commitment to utter incuriosity about the world. He is not a sharp man. I shouldn't have to remind everyone of that, but here is just a sampling of some of the recent examples. These are not muscle guys here, they're muscle guys up here, right? And they calmly walk to a seat, ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out, right? Boom. Okay. Missile launch, ping, boom. We have become a drug-infested, crime-ridden nation, which is incapable of solving even the smallest, smallest problem. The simplest of problems we can no longer solve. We can't do anything. We are an institute. In a powerful death penalty, we will put this on. We have to bring in the death penalty if we want to stop the infestation of drugs. But it's certainly not uh, great for your climb, your climb, they call it climate. That could help us pay off the debt. You know, we have $35 trillion in debt. Reduce taxes further. I gave you the biggest tax We got the biggest tax cut. Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. They don't want to talk about that. Now we see whales washing up on shore because of the wind. Uh, Our veterans don't have cell phones, do they? You have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have, you have ID to buy a loaf of bread. What? What is, you know, sharpest guy in the room stuff. Hey, look, you can say that he has a better memory than Joe Biden. I do know that he took that intelligence test and, you know, he got the whole person, woman, cameraman TV thing. Um, but the idea that he's sharp, that you should vote for him because he's particularly intelligent, knowledgeable, has a great memory, a grasp of the facts, an interest in science or the natural world. Get the hell out of here, Stephen Miller. What do you think, Brett? Sharp is not something you use to describe a smart person. <laughs> Sharp is what you true. say when someone in the room made a joke you didn't in a thousand years expect they were capable of making. <laughs> Sharp is when someone is losing it, a word you say to communicate that they haven't completely lost it.
All right. And so I, I, that mashup is funny. And I think it's very well executed. I will say that it doesn't <laughs> communicate whether Donald Trump is smart or not, because the word smart can be a bunch of different things. Book smart, street smart. Mm -hmm. Trump is very sharp at, on the debate stage. And he uses that skill to make other people look like clowns, okay? The job of president is not that. The job of president is all the stuff that Bill Clinton was and Barack Obama was. Like the person who's like, oh yeah, I know about that country and their history and what's going on there. I know about that supply chain. I will say that Donald Trump does say, like if you ask him to break down how a business works and he does it on stage, he's good at that. But he's do he does that from like an, an individual organization's perspective, a small business perspective, sort of, but a small business that's a, re, a small real estate magnate business. It's not a small like landscaping business or anything like that. So none of Donald mm -hmm. Trump's smart or sharp sharp attributes are actually applicable to the everyday person's life or the job of president. And Steve Miller, I'm waiting for him to say, and his abs are the most rippling abs and his farts smell the best of any farting president. That's if he had a beehole. Oh my God. He talks about yeah. him like Look. people who would be executed if they spoke otherwise, speak about Kim Jong-un. 100%. Look, what Stephen Miller is to me, look, I've said he is he is exactly the sort of like radical bureaucrat that was necessary for things like the Nazi regime to work. You need a bunch of people like him. Um, that is definitely true. But also, he's one of those people, and there's so many in the Trump circle that absolutely have no respect for Donald Trump. They think it is great to have Donald Trump because he's easy to manipulate, to flatter. We get him in there and then we can do whatever we want because we have an idiot king. That is 100% what Stephen Miller, as well as a number of other people, think about him. You look like you want to make a super fast last, last point. Yes, Stephen Miller's new law firm, which he's using to like be the opposite of the ACLU, which is basically what he said, ran an ad that just says, why is it okay to be racist against white people? That's an ad that his company ran. It's also why he's trash. Like Stephen Miller obviously wanted to date a girl at Santa Monica High School who ended up dating like a Mexican dude. And that's his origin story. I love it. Okay, we need to take our first break. Oh my God, we're way over. Okay, we need to take our first break. We will be back after this. Okay, everyone, we're gonna try to catch up a little bit, starting with this. The world is in tremendous danger. We're in danger of possibly a World War III. And we have a man who's absolutely the worst president in the history of our country, can't put two sentences together. He's not gonna be able to negotiate with Putin or Xi or Kim Jong-un, North Korea. Not gonna be able to negotiate with anybody. All he knows how to do is drop bombs all over the place, meaningless bombs, except they kill a lot of people. It costs a lot of money. Every time you see a bomb, it's another million dollars. And it actually sets us back. We have peace through strength. This should not be happening. The Middle East is blowing up. It's blowing up. And a lot of people are being killed and it's so unnecessary. So that is Donald Trump implying that bombing in the Middle East is a bad thing, a waste of money. It's pointless. It's not a sign of strength and Joe Biden should not do it. But much more importantly, what Trump is doing there is trying to rehabilitate his actual record on these topics from when he was president for four years. 
And of course, he's going to do that. The right is constantly caught between wanting to pretend that they're anti-war, that they're against intervention. They don't want to do this stuff. And then enthusiastically supporting all of these conflicts whenever they get the opportunity. So I will remind you that while Donald Trump would like to pretend that he had no wars, he says this all the time, no wars. So we had all the same wars when he got into office. We were in wars. When he left office, we were in those same exact wars. He did nothing to get us out of those wars. And the projection in that video that you just saw is amazing because he focuses on Joe Biden bombing the Middle East. That was almost precisely the overall impact that Donald Trump had on the region was a massive increase in the amount of bombing, particularly drone strikes in Syria. He quadrupled them once he became president. He also not just used more bombs, but he also used bigger bombs. He literally dropped what's called the Moab, the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. It's the largest non-nuclear bomb that the US military has. Was that one not pointless? Was that one not expensive, Donald Trump? But you can see here an actual chart of the number of bombs being dropped here in Afghanistan also rose to record levels. I guess every one of them, a massive pointless waste of money. And yet he did it year after year, he did it. And now, because the American people don't necessarily want to see that, and because it's a different guy's in power, suddenly his years were peaceful. Joe Biden's a big bully rampaging across the world. That's what he'd like you to believe, but the facts don't at all bear it out. Brett, what do you think about this? Yeah, he, he's, he, we are in fewer wars as American now than when Trump was president. It's just so stupid. It's like, yeah, but there are more wars now than there were when Trump was president. There's more wars now, but we are in fewer of them <laughs> and we're still involved. It's just not our guys there. And it's just like no one wants, he doesn't want to have the grown up conversation about it. And it's like, I would argue that. October 7th was uh basically the 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 soil for October 7th was made way more fertile thanks to Donald Trump aggressive in his foreign policy moving the you know our embassy to Jerusalem yeah like that's that that kind of stuff makes it more likely that a massive terror powder keggy terrorist attack is going to happen. But he doesn't want to have that conversation. There's this game that everybody plays where they try to like just just say that and and it's and it it's very real in terms of its effect on politics. It's just people don't like what's he knows it's harder to keep to like the incumbent president than to like yeah. the person challenging. It's harder to do that. People still end up liking an incumbent president more than a challenger. But all Trump needs to do is say stuff that sounds vaguely like this guy's bad. Yeah. You know how you're upset now? Here's a bunch of reasons why you're upset that you can't really articulate. But none of their foreign policy is coherent, as you point out, or really any more helpful and safer than what Biden's doing. Yeah. By the way, the final point I want to make on this, and I'm glad that you pointed this out, is, and I haven't really thought about it much, is this is the third time that Donald Trump is like full on running for presidency. He'd flirted with it earlier, but there's three full runs. And it is different than the previous ones in that this is the first time he has been able to just run against an actual incumbent. He ran against sort of the incumbent party in 2016, but not against the literal incumbent. Um, and so that's obviously flavoring this.
Let's talk about the vice presidency, because you just said that you would be willing to serve in a Trump administration. Had you been vice president on January 6, 2021, what would you have done? I would not have done what Mike Pence did. I don't think that was the right approach. I specifically stand by what I said on the House floor, and I stand by my statement. So that is Elise Stefanik, who I will remind you at one point, not too many years ago, was considered one of the reasonable Republicans. She was not considered one of the Marjorie Greene-esque MAGA radicals. That isn't who she was, but it is who she has become willingly, intentionally, specifically to get Donald Trump to consider her for the VP slot. And this is the exact sort of situation in which she has to pretend that that's what she would have done. It might well be what she'd do in the future if she was VP, but that's not the position that she had on January 6th at that time. And in fact, she was questioned about the fact that she had been pretty clear that it was a horrific event, but she is now trying to rewrite the record. Take a look at this. You deleted a statement that was on your website recently calling January 6th a tragic day. Why, why was it so deleted though? I, I have all my public statements from the current Congress. You can access all of my previous public statements. From but why was it deleted from your website? I only have the press releases from this current Congress. All of those statements are available since I was elected on multiple social media accounts. And you can access it there. Just so like it wasn't everyone a retraction can. of what you said? I have every, no, certainly not. I have press releases for this current Congress. And the reality is you as a journalist can go through all of my official social media accounts and find all of my previous statements. I, I love that. I love that you would have a position. You would be one of those Republicans and there were a good number after January 6th. You said this is a tragedy. Some of them directly said it's Donald Trump's fault. Now, you don't want that to be the focus, what people think of when they think of you because you're trying to get Donald Trump to like you. So you go to delete it and that would normally seem to be a thing where, well, people can still potentially find it and that makes you look bad. So you get out in front of that by saying someone could still find it. Well, yeah, that's that's how the internet works. It's hard to utterly delete something from everywhere, but you are still to the extent that you can trying to do that. But she's acting as if because she is incapable of wiping it entirely from the internet, that that means she's not trying to rewrite history, that she's not being dishonest in some way. And maybe that's a small issue in comparison to the fact that she is now saying she would overturn the results of an election if that's what it took for Donald Trump to win, Brett, but what do you think? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like her defense is that, well, uh, yeah, they haven't deleted the internet, so I'm above board. <laughs> like, yeah, if you can find it, that's like, that's like someone like, Hiding the evidence somewhere. They used to have the evidence front and center. Here's the evidence. And then they hid it under a bush, under a rock in the backyard. And they're like, well, there's still evidence if you go look for it. <laughs> yeah. That's her argument. It's insane. Look at her. She didn't used to dress like that. She didn't used to do her hair like that. She used to look like a normal person, like that you would see walking around, like, oh, in the halls of Congress. She has completely embraced this is someone who's you know embraced the Trumper persona. This is someone who used to say that Trump was a misogynist, that he was soft on Putin, that he needs to release his tax returns. She used to say that. She is on yeah. record saying that. But and she said that January 6th was bad because and, and that's the point we need to hang the lantern on. All these people who for years had already said, all right, Donald Trump, we got to embrace, we got to just eat it. We just got to eat what he gives us. We got to stomach it. We got to say everything's great. This terrible stuff he's saying, we have to say it's great. And then January 6th happened. And that was so much worse 
than what they had been, you know, eating for the last five, four years. That about January 6th, they were like, sorry, this is bad. I have to say it's bad. Everybody needs to say it's bad. There's no way we could ever in a million years say that it wasn't bad. Yeah. And then nothing happened. And three years later, they're literally saying it wasn't bad. Or it they're like, bad. it looks bad on me if I leave evidence of me having said it's bad anywhere anyone can find it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read her statement or part of it in just a sec because you are going to see why she wishes she could erase this from the internet. But I just I just want to briefly mention like like I know that I should be I should be so used to this. We cover this news every day. We have to look what what people like this say every day. But it is still it is still wild to me that a person can be like this. Yeah, she completely changed everything she believed about so for, for like fundamental bedrock things about democracy, about political violence, because she is desperate to be the VP, a position with very little power, except maybe she thinks that Donald Trump will keel over and she'll become president. It's it, it's, I, I know that people throw away, throw these terms around. It is sociopathic. It is insane the extent to which they are willing to risk other people's lives so they can have the job they want. She's already a congressperson. She already has political power. She's already being interviewed on the news. But she'd like a better office and you know, maybe America's no longer democracy if that's what it takes, but that is she's perfectly comfortable with that. This is the yeah. Now, this is this is why we like John. I'll just say that. This is why we this is why we need John. This is why we like John. Like people like me and Anna are dead inside and are like, ugh, these people. <laughs> it's just how it is. But like John is such a dear heart that he's like, it are you guys seeing this? We accept <laughs> that it's gaslighting. We're like, all right, well, how do you play the game back so at them? Dumb. John's just like, this is not it? okay. How right? Could, how could you just lie? <laughs> How could you just say the thing that you know is not true? <laughs> but I will leave you with this. This is a powerful statement from a person who once had principles and she used to be known as Elise Stefanik. Yeah. This is truly a tragic day for America. I fully condemn the dangerous violence and destruction that occurred today at the Capitol. Americans have a constitutional right to protest and freedom of speech, but violence in any form is absolutely unacceptable and anti-American. The perpetrators of this un-American violence and destruction must be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Then she talks about how she's safe. Thankfully, they weren't killed. But thank you to all those who protected the people's house and the American people from these dangerous destructive forces who might have killed her if they could have. But now they're political prisoners. Let them go. They did nothing wrong. I'd really like to be VP. That is that is the class of people that are in our politics. We as kids perhaps were told that you should you should start from a position of respect for these people. Not at all. You should start by assuming they're the most dishonest sociopathic people in American life. They flock to this world because for some reason it's a place that they do well for themselves. But we should approach every one of these people with 10 times as much suspicion as we already do. Does Bristol Myers make a profit selling Eloquist for $900 a year in Canada? Uh, Senator, we do make a profit. All right, so you're selling the product for 13% of what in Canada, of what we pay in the United States. And obviously you sell it there because you make money. So Mr. Berner, will you commit today 
that Bristol-Myers-Squibb will reduce the list price of Eliquis in the United States to the price that you charge in Canada where you make a profit. Senator, we can't make that commitment. Of course they won't make that commitment because they like making a profit, but they love making a really big profit. But I am glad that Bernie Sanders is using his time where they are talking with the the heads of three of these big pharma companies to point out how insane the pricing is between different countries. As he points out, they can sell for 13% of what they sell in the United States, this drug, and they make a profit off of it. Their business would grow, their stock would go up. They would be able to exist as a company and people would have access to this drug. But because things have been set up, rigged in a way that you know there's much less negotiation. A lot of the, the, the suppliers of health insurance are not, they're not going to try to buy generic versions or drugs from outside the United States. They are allowed to artificially hyperinflate their profit margins here. And of course, they're not gonna just change that because you pointed out in a hearing, but I love that Bernie's doing it. That is what we love Bernie for. That is what actually being opposed to the economic status quo and the elites who benefit from it look like. Not Tucker Carlson making a reference to Jewish billionaires or something, but taking a look at those who have set up the system so that they will always win and challenging it, asking why it needs to be that way. When the system as it's set up in our literal nearest neighbors is far more equitable and they would still make a profit under it. And so we have more of this, but Brett, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that's the the argument is that they don't want to make money. That's what the guy's saying is I don't want to make money. Sorry, I don't want to just make money. I want to make lots of money. I want to make all the money. And you know who I want to make it off of? People with AFib. Americans with AFib. I think you can get a lot of, first of all, you have a lot of people on your side with this. Like, this isn't like we need to really change the messaging to win over Trumpers. Like, Trumpers are on your side with this. And the reason that we, what ends up happening is Trumpers get less jazzed about it when you say what is necessary to get the prices that you have in other countries. And what you need to do is create systemic change. And people just don't like that. It's very mm-hmm. scary. But I would think that someone like Trump would be great at this. I think Trump would be great at messaging what's missing because what's missing from our system, what's missing from our system is negotiation. And Trump literally, quote, wrote the book on that. We're not, so those other countries are able to say, like, all right, we have the national healthcare system. We're going to buy a lot of your drug if the price is right. We're going to Costco wholesale this thing as opposed to what we have, which is every little separate drug company and little, uh, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, Kaiser, they're all doing their own mini uh, negotiations. Trump could have said like, you know what, I'm going to go through and I'm going to tell you guys we're not buying any Eliquis. We're going generic out of India unless you lower the price. Yeah. 100%. And that's just, we're not allowed to do that. Well, exactly. And And by the way, to clear, this hearing is about the fact that finally, at long last, they set up for Medicare negotiations for a very small select list of medications. Now, they are medications that make up a significant chunk of the expenditures from um, from Medicare. I believe it's 20% of Medicare Part D spending is these 10 drugs. That's what we finally got was this limited number of drugs. And those companies are trying to kill that. And the Republicans want to kill that. If you're a conservative and you're watching this, 
I understand that you've been trained to think that we companies are like simultaneously we're populist, we're anti-elitist, and companies are the best thing ever and they should never be constrained in any way. But they are screwing you over and the Republicans are giving them a major assist. It does not have to be this way. You do not have to suffer spending a massive percentage of your take home pay on necessary medications that are far cheaper in other parts of the world. And not just in Canada, it's not just like Canada somehow magically set up a system where it works way better for them. Those 10 drugs that are currently now thankfully able to be negotiated for for a limited period of time are on average three times more expensive in the US than in other advanced countries. Ask yourself why, ask yourself, if we were able to, you know, like they have that Apple Vision Pro yeah. cool technology and you can like augment reality or whatever. If we had that hearing playing and you could project above each of the senators there, how much they've gotten from big pharma through the course of their career, what do you think those numbers would look like? And so, and that's why they take, they make tons of money off of these drugs. They take a tiny portion of it and they use that to buy the politicians to make sure that there are never any new regulations on them. That is actual corruption. And thankfully, there are a few people like Bernie Sanders are fighting against it. Yeah. They're, okay. they're, yeah, go ahead. No, final, final point. Final point. Well, it's just, I know, it's fine. Go ahead. Cause I was going to go out on a tangent about. Okay. Well, argument. I bet it would have been a fun tangent, but I do, I guess we do want to talk about this last story because it's terrible. So, dear God, we're going to move to this. Hmm. Missouri senators voted earlier this week against amendments that would have allowed abortions in their state in the cases of rape and incest. They did not allow those exceptions to go through. So in a country where there's been this ongoing argument about how draconian these laws should be and the people when they're asked have virtually always said, get off of our, I'm not gonna swear, but get out of our business, I will say. Uh, no, in Missouri, they think they've still got a lock on this thing. No exceptions effectively um, for cases of rape and incest. They ban all abortions. The only time that there is an exception is uh, to save the life of a pregnant person. That is the sort of thing that you write on a piece of paper, a piece of legislation, and then good luck to you if you need to fit in that exception. We have already seen in states around this country how difficult it is, how much suffering, potentially life-changing suffering you will go through as you struggle to get a right-wing judge to allow you to fit under that narrowly tailored exception. But on top of the votes, I want to add a little bit of insult to injury. And we're going to focus here on Republican State Senator Rick Bratton. And so he said this in supporting not allowing those exceptions for rape and incest. If you want to go after the rapist, let's give him the death penalty. Again, remember this guy's pro-life. Absolutely, let's do it. But not the innocent person caught in between that by God's grace may even be the greatest healing agent you need in which to recover from such an atrocity. The innocent person, to be clear in this, is not the person who was raped, not the kid who was raped by her dad. No, it's the unborn fetus who now, by the grace of God, because again, our laws are being written by religious radicals, is a healing agent for you. And he, who doesn't have to go through with this, does not have to live a life that is changed irreparably as the result of decisions by people like him, is gonna tell you that following the worst thing that will ever happen to you in your life, hey, make some lemonade out of it and shut up. So we have more on this, Brett, what do you think?
There's so many lemons in life, man. We don't need to turn this into the one in the the parable, buddy. Like there's so many things that are like, oh, there's a silver lining to every cloud. This is like you got raped. And and it's this weird, like, bro, if you need a if I have a feeling this makes that guy feel good. And he doesn't mm-hmm. actually care about the family affected or the people or the victims in, in this scenario at all. This guy only wrote this framing for the argument to make himself feel awesome. You know what? I'm sure there's a movie about that somewhere that is just as real to you as what you're forcing people to go through. Watch that movie instead. Advocate (laughs) for more movies to be made like that instead. Instead of forcing someone to potentially maybe have some kind of catharsis in the way that you frame it for them after this terrible tragedy that I feel they're better equipped to make it through than you, you Freaking weirdo. Now hold on. You're you're pitching them as weirdos. I, I threw around the term religious radical. We're implying that they don't have the expertise or the life experience or the capacity for empathy to speak with authority on this topic. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Republican Senator Bill Eigel, who's the guy we talked about earlier this week, who uh set fire with a flamethrower to a bunch of empty boxes as some sort of political stunt. It's very weird. He said this, the proposed amendment, we can't have it because it would bring back the institution of abortion so that kids could get abortions. Quote, a one-year-old could get an abortion under this. That is what a full-grown man said. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, I don't think a one-year-old could get pregnant to need an abortion. And you'd be right, but I would add, If somehow a one-year-old did get pregnant, dear God, let them have the abortion that they need to survive. So these are the sorts of men, and they're nine times out of 10 men, who are deciding what rights other people have to what happens to their body. A guy who thinks a one-year-old can get pregnant. Honestly, John, if a one-year-old gets pregnant, I think that is the child of God. So we need to bring that just to see what happens. God, we have full grown men with the brains of one year olds talking about them.